And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we begin. We're ready to roll. We're starting on a Monday on what I think is a big week. We got the Vegas Golden Knights up in Tahoe. I'll be with the team. I'm going up there for the game on Saturday. My first winter classic. I'm excited for that. And there's a lot of Raider talk to get to today. Coming off the Daytona 500 last night. Anthony Davis's injury and the MRI results that we should have. And we'll talk as we're looking for a Woj bomb from Adrian Wojnarowski. There's a lot of Laker fans in Vegas. And hopefully there's some good news, which I expect there'll be some good news for Anthony Davis, who I was on the air last night, Sunday night, when Anthony Davis left the game for the Lakers and the Daytona 500 was in progress. So last night was a wild night on the radio, so I'm all prepped up. It's one of the good things about this show. I do a show at night. I come in the next day, and I'm usually prepped up pretty good with anything big that happened. But today I want to lead with J.J. Watt. Because I wasn't on Friday, I filled in nationally on Sirius XM, and I was on the air live when the J.J. Watt story broke, and everybody started going crazy on it. And we have a tie-in here, obviously, to Las Vegas, because I think the Raiders should be in the hunt for J.J. Watt, and I hope you do too. And this is one of those topics that I could truly invest in. I don't think he's coming. I think the odds are low, but for Sports Talk Radio and what I do, I can completely invest in this topic and go balls out and do what I think I do best because I believe in everything about the concept of bringing J.J. Watt to Vegas. Everything. Every, it checks off every box for me. As one of the great players of all time, a guy I still think has plenty of juice, plenty of juice left. He's 100% healthy. He played in every game last year. He had a high grade. He's got it all. He's not injured. He's not coming off surgery. He's ready to roll. He is a great player, one of the all-time greats. You can compare him to Howie Long. He's going into the Hall of Fame. Howie Long is one of my favorite all-time players. Howie Long is not a three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, and Howie was great. He wasn't good. He was great. J.J. Watt is on not the Mount Rushmore, but pretty close of impact NFL players. You know, my Mount Rushmore has Lawrence Taylor, Ray Lewis, Deacon Jones, Reggie White. J.J. Watt's not too far behind, everybody. He's got NFL Man of the Year. He's got character. Character and leadership, which you've been hearing a lot of in the offseason for the Silver and Black. What do they got to do? They brought in Gus Bradley, and they're bringing in people on the other side. So I choose... I choose to go much bigger on the J.J. Watt discussion than Deshaun Watson for a number of reasons. Because I think that J.J. Watt, even though he'd be tough to convince to come here, I think it's probably something that we should talk about more so than Deshaun Watson. Because if Deshaun Watson comes to Vegas to be the future quarterback, that would mean Derek Carr would have to leave in a trade. And then that means I would be stirring the pot on Derek Carr leaving which I got on the right side last year and didn't do it. I was one of the few people who did not buy into that fake news, did not buy into that garbage, 
and did not run around wasting segments on radio saying, car's out of here, car's out of here, Mariota, Mariota. Mariota's going to push him. Car's going to get bench week too. I did not buy into it, and I was right because Carr had a hell of a year. Now, could Carr end up leaving? Yes, possibly he could. If New England, if New England or Chicago or Indianapolis or Philadelphia want Derek Carr and they load up the Brinks truck to do it, would the Raiders listen? Probably they'd listen. I don't know if they'd move him. I don't think they would. I think Carr coming into the fourth year in this system, he just continues to get better. I like Derek, and I think Derek could be a pro bowler for another four or five years. Aaron Rodgers at 37 won the MVP award of the NFL. At 37. Tom Brady won the Super Bowl MVP at the age of 43. And the Raiders have a young, dynamic quarterback who is a great thrower and can make all the throws, I think has good leadership, and his contract's fine. The strength of Derek's contract is the fact that he's been given all the money. He's got all the money. He's cashed a lot of the guaranteed money, and the Raiders will probably extend him before they let him go. So that's really the story, the accurate story, from being in the know and talking to people about Derek Carr. Can a blockbuster deal happen? Absolutely. Will it probably happen? No. Would J.J. Watt happen? No, but I believe it can. And here's why. First off, we want to play you the J.J. Watt entire, entire video. It's a little over a minute and a half. Listen to J.J. Watt take the high road on the way out of Houston as he was released, which he wanted to be released, so he could go play and finish out the back end of his career. J.J. Watt on Friday. I wanted to do this on video uh, as opposed to putting out a statement or doing a press conference or anything like that because I want you guys to hear it directly from me. I want to speak directly to you and the city of Houston um, so you can hear the words straight from my mouth. Um, I have sat down with the McNair family and I have asked them for my release and we have mutually agreed to part ways at this time. Uh, I came here 10 years ago as a kid from Wisconsin who'd never really been to Texas before. And now I can't imagine my life without Texas in it. Um, the way that you guys have treated me Besides draft night, I mean, you guys booed me on draft night. But uh, every day after that, you treated me like family. And I truly feel like you're my family. Um, since that day, I have tried to do everything in my power to work and earn your respect and try and make you proud on and off the field. Um, you guys have given me everything and more, and I can only hope that you feel like I've given you everything I have. Um, the city of Houston has been unbelievable to me. It's where I met my wife. Um, it's where I've met lifelong friends and my teammates. Um, I've had incredible coaches and training staff and equipment staff and cafeteria workers and the weight room staff and uh, the front office people and people on the streets, people in restaurants and grocery stores and showing up in my house. Um, the connection is special and I will never ever take that for granted because I know how rare it is. Um, I'm excited and looking forward to a new opportunity, and I've been working extremely hard. Um, but at the same time, it is, it is always tough to move on. And uh, I just want you guys to know that I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the McNair family for giving me, uh, drafting me and giving me my first opportunity in the NFL. Thank you, Houston. I love you. All right, so that's J.J. Watt on Friday. Who would want that guy? 
Who wouldn't want that guy running out of the tunnel wearing the silver and black and the writer logo? Who wouldn't want that guy? The guy is a rock star in this league. He is a great player, and he's exactly what the Raiders need. Exactly. A veteran leader in the locker room on the defensive side. That's a priority. That is a must for the Raiders, unless you can find a younger player who can come in and have the impact of J.J. Watt, and I don't think you can. I don't think you can at all. I've been talking about Yannick Ngakwe, a younger edge rusher, in his mid to late 20s. If you can get that player, you bring him in. J.J. Watt would be a perfect Raider because of his character. He's an NFL Man of the Year. He's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Now, I've had an up-close view of some other Raiders when they came over at the end of their career. Richard Seymour, who was a pretty good leader, was an up-and-down player. He didn't have much in the tank. Once a Raider, always a Raider. We wish him well. Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp played his ass off for the Raiders. Wasn't the greatest guy all the time. He played his butt off for the Raiders and played well at times. Warren Sapp did not mail it in. He was on his way to a Hall of Fame career. He did not come to Oakland to mail it in and have people criticize him. Now, you can talk about Warren Sapp on and off the field all you want and the type of person he was. That's a different topic. And then we've seen the Raiders swing and whiff on a couple of aging defensive backs over the years coming in, trying to give them a shot to play. And the Raiders and Al Davis, as you saw in the 30 for 30, have a tremendous history, tremendous history of bringing in players who late in their career could make a run and win a Super Bowl. Lyle Alzado is a great example of Lyle winning a Super Bowl, winning Super Bowl 18. Howie Long talks about it at length, and to see players like that. So here's the topic that I wanted to bring up today on a Monday in regards to J.J. Watt. He's available. Several teams are showing interest in him, and it looks like the Packers and the Steelers have the edge. Obviously so. He's from Wisconsin. He grew up a Packer fan. He loves the Packers. It'd be the perfect fit. The Packers are a Super Bowl contender. They were the number one seed in the NFC. He would fit in perfectly there. They have a need. They need an edge rusher. Aaron Rodgers trying to get him one more ring, trying to get J.J. Watt his first ring. So that's perfect setup for him. The other setup is Pittsburgh where he would play for his brothers. Remember, Pittsburgh was 11-0 at one point last year, 10-0, 11-0. They had a great team. And then they fell apart on the back end, and it looks like they're looking to redo Roethlisberger's deal because it's a big cap hit, and Roethlisberger's going to come back in and play one more year, and J.J. Watt and Ben Roethlisberger could go on this incredible run. It'd be great for J.J. Watt. He'd be with his brothers. It'd be great for his parents. be great for the nieces and nephews. It'd be perfect. So take the Steelers and put the Steelers in one category in the AFC. And then put in the top of the category for J.J. Watt in the NFC, you put the Packers. I don't think anybody would argue those two. He's probably going to go to one of those two. But what about Las Vegas? I am a big supporter of Las Vegas because of what Las Vegas has done for my life and maybe your life. For those who don't live here, it's a great place to live. I love living in Vegas because of the weather, the restaurants, the nightlife, the sports, whatever you want to do. It's a great place to raise a family. No state taxes, great real estate, a lot of upside. As I always said, when my wife and I were looking to come back, my wife and I met on today. Today's our anniversary. My wife and I met today, February 15th, 1998, 
walking into the Hard Rock Hotel Resort and Casino for the Rolling Stones. It changed my life. If I didn't go to that concert that night, my life goes down a completely different path. I believe in fate. It's a big part of my life. I believe in luck, but mostly fate. You walk through a door, if it opens, you walk through it. You don't hesitate. On the other side, you might have a much better life. And that's exactly what happened to me, even though I was married on September 4th in 1999. My wife and I celebrate our anniversary today, tonight, because if she didn't rip a ticket stub and throw it in a barrel after a John Cougar Mellencamp show, where they took that stub out of a barrel in a lottery system, and she went to the show by herself, and I walked in with my two knucklehead friends up to the bar to order a couple of shots. If she was a foot and a half away, I never would have met her. So something brought me through that portal of life, through that front door at the Hard Rock, to the center bar, right up to where I was, and then my life changed completely. So I believe in fate. Now, how am I reaching on this, comparing my anniversary date of meeting my wife to J.J. Watt? Everything changed for me because of Las Vegas. I lived in San Francisco. I lived in San Diego eight years. I lived in L.A. for 10. I'm from New York. All my, all my DNA in sports is from New York. I talk about my dad often on this show. But Vegas changed my life. J.J. Watt's already married. He's not going to meet his wife at the new resorts world. He's not going to meet his wife downtown at Circa. He's married and happily married. But for J.J. Watt, he needs the full-blown ass-kicking presentation from the Raiders. I'm talking Maverick helicopters. I'm talking his face being on every, every front of every casino. J.J. Watt, welcome to Vegas. I'm talking about a $2 billion stadium that hasn't been opened yet to fans, and it should have his name on the outside. I'm talking about the best dining, the best restaurants. Show him everything from the Summit to Southern Highlands to Summerlin, how he could live here, then connect his brand connect his brand through media, which the Raiders are incredible. The Raiders have a top organization in all the sports when it comes to social media, when it comes to everything, when it comes to social digital imprints. The Raiders are well ahead. You, you listen to all these people I put on the radio. You see, if you follow the Raiders on Twitter and Facebook, from Flores to Canton and the connections to Coors Light, and what you saw with Modelo and this and that, and the connections of branding here in town, everything that we've seen, it's Vegas. You've got to be in the hunt for all of these guys to come to Vegas. Mark Davis brought the Raiders to Vegas for something like this. It does not have to be J.J. Watt. It does not have to be Deshaun Watson. But it's got to be players lined up like that from here on out if this thing's going to pop. Are you with me? Do you get that? When the Knicks or the New York teams try to get an athlete, they bring him to Madison Square Garden. They look up at the video. It's Jerry Seinfeld. It's Howard Stern. They all come together. They cut a video. They try to convince the guys to come here. It hasn't worked well. It doesn't work all the time. But we, we have an advantage in Las Vegas that other NFL teams don't have with state taxes, one of the most iconic brands in sports history, arguably the greatest team logo in sports history, a brand-new market, a brand-new stadium. It's incredible here. And that's got to start to be the pitch for J.J. Watt and some of these other players that become available. Get them on the private jet, sit them down with Gruden, talk about this, have Gruden come over the top and sell them and hug them and do what Gruden does best, and then get them on the team. 
and sign them and bring them to Vegas. You haven't even been in the stadium yet. Wait till you see the stadium and the torch in the memory of Al Davis. So all of this has to be a part of the presentation that the Raiders have a huge advantage in outside Green Bay and Pittsburgh where he wants to go. I mean, could you imagine if J.J. Watt wants to go to Nashville and play for the Titans or Denver over the Raiders? There is no excuse now on the Raiders not being in the hunt for every single free agent when it comes to the NHL. Petrangelo, they get the captain of St. Louis. Why? Well, he played a couple of games in Vegas and saw what Vegas did. And he goes to the Golden Knights. (laughs) It's a great fit. The same thing's going to happen. We're going to be talking about the NBA coming to Vegas. We're going to be talking about that in the second hour, the NBA in Vegas, and why that's a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit for 20-year-old guys who play basketball who want to play in Vegas and play in Vegas for all of that electricity. But I'm just concentrating on J.J. Watt today. So this is the beginning of me, as long as I'm fortunate enough to be associated with this team, of being one of the guys who bangs the drums. And I don't bang the drums with fake news about, oh, this trade, we'll get rid of six, seven guys, we'll bring this guy over, we'll move this chess piece. It might happen. I mean, the only guy really qualified, Mike Pritchard played in the NFL. He's in our lineup. He's brilliant. He's one of my great friends. Vinny Bonsignor is an insider for the Raiders. He writes a column. When Vinny has information about other teams interested in Carr, you better believe that's accurate. Vinny Bonsignor breaks news in the NFL in Vegas as good as anybody in this league. He's fabulous. But the rest of the guys, including myself, all we're doing is trying to run fast-paced radio shows and get you on the radio to get you to believe in this or not. If you disagree with me and you don't think it's worth, it's worth going all in on a Vegas presentation for J.J. Watt and you think I missed, let me know. 702-365-9200. But if you're with me on this or the concept of it, for me, it's the concept of letting Las Vegas and Allegiant Stadium and the great new Henderson practice facility and the Strip and these neighborhoods and this lifestyle work for the Raider Nation. If not, then why not just be in Oakland? What's the difference between Oakland? Oakland's got the diehard fans. We love Oakland. It's got the history. The franchise decided to come to Vegas. Got to use Vegas. You got to use Vegas for all the assets that we have here in Southern Nevada and the Strip to go after a guy like J.J. Watt and just get the meeting. Just get the meeting. And if you don't get it, that's it. I was a cold call cowboy. I made 300 cold calls a day. If you see the movie The Boiler Room or Wolf of Wall Street, that was me at the age of 20, 21. And I'm not talking about that was kind of me. No, that was me. And all I did coming out of college was pick up a yellow pages and cold call people to open up stock accounts, two phones at once, one in one ear. Then eventually when I got burnt out on that business, I was still doing it. And I had another phone in my ear calling into sports radio shows. And then that, I'll tie it back into fate again. That's why fate brought me to where I am at today. All because of the phone. My life is connected through the phone. Phone calls on sports radio. Phone calls to my best friends every day. I made six calls today before the show with my coffee. Checking in on my friends. Calls to my parents. My life is based on the telephone. I'd have nothing without the telephone. So the point is, I'll put a bow on this. Pick up the phone and let's get in front of J.J. Watt. Let's take the flagship radio station and make it a J.J. Watt zone. 
for a couple of days or a Monday or maybe two weeks and get some fans calling in on the concept of getting J.J. Watt or the concept of using Vegas as a recruiting tool to help the franchise get to the Super Bowl. Because I don't know anybody who would argue with me on that. I don't know anybody who would disagree with me on that topic, that we don't use Vegas as a recruiting tool to get the best players in all of football to at least consider coming here. Because if not, then I'm looking around going, whoa, wait a second, what was I sold on? I thought this whole Vegas thing was about that, right? That's why I'm here. Maybe that's why you're here. You're about the hype of Las Vegas and what Las Vegas can do to build this football team maybe sooner than later, and that would be free agents. I mean, you're going to draft who you're going to draft. If you want to make a trade, you're going to make a trade. The player's going to come because he was traded. But when it comes to free agency, I think it is critical that the Raiders this offseason start flexing their muscles better than expected. You could say it's coronavirus, it's tough, we, you don't have the ability to do things that you were able to do a couple of years ago. Absolutely true. No one's going to argue that. But with Vegas and what Vegas brings to the table, I think we got a great opportunity here to really get into the recruiting of J.J. Watt or other free agents who have several choices. This should have been a 10-win team. You know, you could sit there and, and spin that the Raiders should have been a playoff team. They beat Kansas City once. They almost beat them twice. They beat Drew Brees in New Orleans. You know, they were a playoff team for most of the year. So you can't tell me that J.J. Watt wouldn't look at the Raiders saying the Raiders can win. The Raiders could be a playoff team, but Green Bay and Pittsburgh clearly have an advantage over the silver and black. After that, I don't want to hear of any market or any city that has an advantage over any player in the league other than Las Vegas. 702-365-9200. People listen to us all over the country. So this is a topic that could work anywhere from Oakland all the way to Florida, New Jersey, back to Southern California. I want your opinion today on J.J. Watt. Why do you think he's a great fit, which I just laid out, or maybe you don't like him. Maybe you think he's too old, he's not the player, he doesn't have any juice left, and maybe you want to go in a different direction. But I want to hear from you on that. All right, quickly... I made a prediction last night with about four laps to go. I'm watching the Daytona 500 here in my home office, and I'm watching it, and I know the Daytona 500. I've been there five times. I said, if you're not in first place, if you're not the lead car like Joey Logano was, what's going to happen is there's going to be a big wreck. There's going to be a huge wreck, and then if you can get through the wreck, you have a chance to win. So let me go back to last night with about four laps left when I made that prediction. Four laps to go here. So, really, Kyle Busch, what's happening now is the drivers are anywhere from seven, eight, nine back. They know that there's going to be risk-reward here. Someone's going to make it, take a chance, and there could be a wreck. And if there is a wreck, you want to be behind the wreck, obviously, and make sure you can get through. Bam. That's exactly what happened. So, I'm watching the race, and I'm looking at all these cars lined up one behind the other, lined up beautifully, all chasing down Joey Logano and knowing from bump drafting that one of these cars were going to make a move. Someone was going to make a move. Keselowski, Logano's teammate, got into his back end and wiped him out, wiped him out. The winner of the Daytona 500 should have been Joey Logano, who did everything to win that race, and he got wrecked from behind. Here's the final call last night from Daytona. 
Logano goes back up. Keselowski with him. McDowell in tow. Dillon on the bottom. The run's on top. Oh! Teammates. Around they go in a hard crash. Kyle Busch. Kyle Larson. Caution is out. Bubba Wallace is in this. Austin Sendrick. Hard hit by Kyle Busch. Caution's out. McDowell is first to the line, but will have to go back to the moment of caution, which ends the race. That's courtesy of Fox. It really was an exciting finish, but I don't like the way it ended. It didn't end the way it should have ended. I thought Joey Logano got ripped off. And listen to Logano. Rarely, I'm going on 25 years of doing this, have I ever heard someone lose something he should have won and take the high road after the race. Here's Joey Logano. Uh, pandemonium, I guess. Uh, chaos struck. Uh, T kept trying to back up, trying to get a run, trying to back up to him to keep the runs from being too big. And uh, just, I guess he got to the back up to the 34, and it ended up being a really big run uh, coming at me. And it seemed like we all just collided in one spot. So, uh, real bummer. Uh, the, none of the Penske car won, but at least the. A Ford won, and uh, I'm really happy for McDowell. I, I hate that we didn't win and with our Shell Penzo Mustang. I, I feel like we had a, obviously a great shot being where we were and leading on the last lap, but uh, if we couldn't win, I'm, I'm really happy to see uh, McDowell win this thing. He's a, he's a great guy, a great person, a good leader uh, in life, and um, it's helped me a lot in my life. So very cool to see him win the Daytona 500. Really cool to see him win the Daytona 500. The guy had to – it's a life-changing experience to win – and Joey Logano had a one on the final lap, and he basically got wrecked, and he didn't do anything wrong, and he's congratulating the guy who won. Where else do you see that other than NASCAR? I mean, it is rare to see that. If you're a fan of NASCAR, uh, jump on in today, coming off the Daytona 500. It's a Super Bowl of the sport, and we should get some interaction today on that. 702-365-9200. Uh, coming up next, former cornerback who had a really good career with the Bears, the Cardinals, and at the end, the Raiders, Lorenzo Lynch, will join us. 11 NFL seasons. Really nice career. We'll talk to him in the relationship with Marshawn Lynch and his experience as a Raider. And then also your opinion on J.J. Watt. Do you love him, Raider Nation? Is he the fit? Is he exactly what the Raiders need? We're brought to you by PTs. They fuel the monologue. Best happy hour in town. Drew Locke back into the gun. Gordon, the running back. Locke's going to try to throw for it. Fires left. Got it. Incomplete. And it is dropped that time by Cleveland. And very good coverage by LaMarcus Joyner. JT, back with you. I didn't even know it was a holiday today. Swear to God, no idea. I like coming on the radio Mondays, coming off a weekend. There's always a lot to talk about, especially with the free agent carousel coming up, led by J.J. Watt and some of the other players in the NFL that might choose the Raiders in Vegas. We'll get into that. Lorenzo Lynch, kind enough to join us. What a career he had as he's from Oakland and played in this league 11 seasons, ended up his career with the Silver and Black. Lorenzo, thanks for doing this. How are you? Thanks for coming on. Oh, man, I'm beautiful, man, and, and, and thanks for having me. What, what an honor. I can, it, I can uh, consider this an honor, dude. Well, I consider it an honor, and I want to begin with the early days growing up in Oakland when you tell the oh, stories 
about what it was like, what defined you, what was it like with family, finding your way out of Pop Warner football to play high school football? What were some of those stories you like to tell? Man, my, my, my biggest story that, that that I like to tell everybody is growing, like you said, growing up in Oakland, uh, uh, you know, I, I still remember this, 1919 East 15th Street, apartment number five, right? That, now, that right there should tell everybody, when, it, when if I don't come from the bottom, that that's bottom as you could get. But now, listen, now, it's this clip that came out. I think they call it, it was it was Al Davis, the Maverick, right? Now, mm-hmm. my father, Longshoreman, brought me home some tickets one day. They were playing the Houston Oilers. So I could be probably about 12, maybe 13 years old. And I think Cliff Branch has scored a touchdown in the end zone. And the camera just zoomed in on me. I'm a little kid at the Raider game, jumping up, cheering. And to me, that right there, you know, I always wanted to play there. So that just let me know that right then that dreams do come true. Lorenzo Lynch is our guest. Yeah, this is incredible. So as a as a kid, how did you stay out of trouble? Who mentored you? How rough did it get? How tough was it early as a kid to stay on the right track to follow your dream to eventually play in the league? You know, man, football football I must say it was my way was was kinda like my way out because in the neighborhood a lot of the a lot of the people and you know, you know, back then, a lot of drug dealers, a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, teachers, and everybody associated me with the athletes. That, that's the football player. That's this. Now, now, growing up, I used to go to a school called uh, Oakland. I mean, Garfield. So we mm-hmm. played flag football. So it was a group of guys, you know, big time guys, beautiful cars, all this. They're standing around. They watch us. I bought fifth grade, sixth grade. So. One of the guys said, well, I'm going to give you a dollar for every time you score a touchdown. Right? So so this is my first time actually playing, getting paid to play uh, football. So, so you know, he was encouraging me. So I scored a touchdown after the game. I go up to him, hey, I scored five touchdowns. Give me $5. I take all the kids. We go across the street, man. I'm buying, hey, I, hey, hey, <laughs> candy and soda on me. Right? So, so, so. So, so I mean, he always encouraged me to, to like, you could do this. You got a future in this. Keep playing. He the one told my father about the Oakland Dynamite, and um, you know, so so there it was. Went to the Dynamite, kept playing. Now tons of, I mean, I mean, if you them Oakland teams back then, the Oakland Dynamite teams. I mean, man, we we didn't know nothing about losing, man. We, I mean, we used to go beat teams. So, so it was a lot of. A lot of mentors there who really always used to preach, if you don't get your grades right, if you don't go to school, you can't play. You know, if you get in trouble or if you do this, you can't play. So I always took a love for football, and I never wanted to be in trouble, never wanted to, you know, not keep my grades up to be able to play. So I think that right there started shaping me. And then a lot of the people in the community knew that, that I was a football player. So they kind of like protect you, you know, don't mess with him, that's a football player, or don't do that, that's a football player. So you kind of, that right there was, was my protection. Dude. 
Lorenzo Lynch is our guest. This is fascinating because a lot of mm-hmm. great athletes came out of Oakland in your era, right? Other sports, NBA, and you're looking. It's a hybrid of all these unique athletes who are playing out on the streets or playing these pickup games. And, you know, with your nephew and Marshawn and everybody who came up through that had that DNA of Oakland to play sports yeah. plus the birth of hip-hop and other music and the culture that was happening on the other side of the bridge of San Francisco, the, this was the town. You're telling me, Lorenzo, about the town and how it shaped you to become an athlete. Man, town business. Everybody look off each other. And you know, as well as I know, Oakland is not that big. No. But, but like you say, man, it's – I mean, I just read I just read somewhere where – uh. Was it was it Will Chamberlain? Who went to McClinan? We got thirteen rings. Bill Russell, thirteen or eleven. Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Yeah. Bill Russell went right there to McClinan. Willie Stargell. I mean, man, this go back. This go back, man. Oakland only so big, but but man, it it's it's this toughness there. It's this empowerment there in in, in the community, man. That, that you always, I used to always say, why not me? You feel like, you know what, if I look around, I might not see much, but you know what, I'm somebody. I can do it. And then, like you said, I had a bunch of mentors. Uh, man, what was that dude, that running back uh, that used to play for Oakland? Dixon? What's that guy, man? Damn, I can't think of his name. We'll get back to that because your your stories yeah, yeah. are un- unbelievable. Lorenzo oh, Lynch oh, man, is our it, guest. Man, so ha- this one story, this go one ahead. Story, this one, this one quick story about my friend man Daryl Uffy, who uh, he was big time dope dealer, and I had already went away to college, like my second year in college. Well, maybe my third because I went to Sac State. So I came home and and I saw Daryl, and I mean, I, when I tell you I had about three dollars in my pocket, man. I probably had $3 in my pocket. saw him ragging the car. Every time I put gas in the car, I got to turn around and put oil in it, too. So I run into Daryl Ussie. Man, I'm talking about gold chain, sweatsuit, everything. Big wad of money. He says, yo, what's happening? How you doing? We hug, we embrace. So he goes, what you doing now, man? I said, man, this, I still going to school, you know, playing football. He says, damn, yo, look around, man. Don't nobody from here. Go to the league. That's some make believe. That's some fantasy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Oh man! But I had, but before I saw this, I had, I had looked at self myself in the mirror because I used to see guys come, go away, come back, go away, come back. And when I talked to them, they, oh, my mother, friend, cousin, sister got sick, or did all these excuses. So I made a promise to myself: no matter what happened, man, I was gonna play all my eligibility until, until I couldn't play no more. And after that, then whatever happened, happened. So so I'm talking to Daryl Ussie. So he said, man, you still playing? You ain't going to make it. This year's waste your time. So then he said, man, just come with me. I'm going to put you on. He put out this big old wad of cash. And I was like, wow. And I, I mean, right then I was like, this is my life changed. So I said, man, look, I made a promise to myself that I was just going to play. I think I had two more years left at Sac State. I said, I'm going to play all I can. But if this don't work, I'm coming to see you, right? And come to find out, man, this dude took 45 bullets in the phone booth. I know a lot of people don't understand the phone booth, but, mm-hmm. yeah, they had phone booths back then. So he took 45 bullets in the phone booth, and I made it to the league, man. That, that's one of my stories.
Yeah, it's a great story. It's inspiring to a lot of people to keep their head yeah. down, get good grades, work hard. Yeah. You go to the NFL, the Bears, the, you go to the NFL, a really solid career. I mean, from guarding Michael Irvin and being on top of some of those best receivers and shutting them down. I mean, you had a long career. Tell me about the Oakland years and how you ended up a Raider. What was that process like getting back to Oakland? Man, that you know, that right there was a journey because, like I say, born and raised in Oakland, uh, always wanted to be a Raider, So hot dogs and peanuts at the, at the Coliseum. And, um, man, let me tell you this right quick. One time I sold a guy a ticket to get in the stadium, and then I turned around and sold you some hot dogs. That that had never happened again. But, okay, <laughs> now listen. I came out of Sac State. I signed a free agent contract with the Dallas Cowboys. I went to, went to their training camp. And and right then I knew, I called my mother. I said, this what the NFL like don't look like I'm going to be making. This was before the 80-man or 90-man rule. It was probably maybe maybe 60 DBs. And this the veterans wasn't even there yet. So we fighting for reps, this and that. I think I last like two weeks there. So get, get cut, Tom Landry. Uh, get cut next day, go to Chicago. Uh, practice all with them, four preseason games. Last preseason game, I get cut. So that's when they, they came and said, look, we'll give you $1,000 now, and, and if we go on strike, you come back and play for us. But if we don't strike, you keep the 1000 you don't owe nobody. Good. I owe guaranteed student loans, so I said, give me the money. Took the $1,000, went back home, prayed every day that they were on strike. Strike. I get a phone call. Your flight lead tomorrow. We strike him. Go back, play three preseason games. You know, strike. I'm talking mm-hmm. about they shooting at the bus. We land down, going sneaking to the stadium, going to the stadium at three o'clock in the morning because you know they didn't know what was going to happen. So we play, get up, got cops in front of our hotels. I mean, our, our locker room. Play the game. Police all around the building. No fans in there. And so, uh, so I guess when the strike is over, they say, "Hey, look, uh, strike is over. Everybody getting tickets home. Uh, you get your final check. Get a bus ticket home. Turn in your playbook." So while I'm there, Kenny Geiger, one of the director player personnel, tapped me on the shoulder, say, "Hey, Lynch, uh, keep your playbook. Go back to your room." I said, "I'm not going home." He said, "Not now, kid." So I get a phone call later on that night. Be in the lobby, seven o'clock. We got practice. So there's all three years with the Bears, right? Mm-hmm. So then I get traded to Arizona, six years in Arizona. Buddy Ryan come in his wow. last year. They they let Buddy Ryan go. They let me go. And uh, that's when the Raiders called me. When they were still in L.A. on their way back to Oakland. I think 96 mm-hmm. or 90. Yeah, that 96. 96. Yeah, so, so. You know, they, they wanted me. They, they uh, took me around, showed me everything. So, you know, they were playing games uh, back and forth. So everybody said, when Al Davis come up to you, if he ever if they really want you, he's going to come up to you, he's going to look in your hands, and he's going to reach out and shake your hand. And all the stuff happened. He came to the hotel to see me because I was on my way out of there. So he looked mm-hmm. in my eye, reached out, shook my hand. So I said, ooh, that's the sign. That's the sign. Okay. I'm going to come. And then, you know, they were going back to Oakland, so they kept throwing that in my face. Like, we're going back to Oakland, going back to Oakland, which I always wanted to play. Right. So, you know, 
So they showed me this clip that I made, and this was maybe about seven, eight years ago, some play I made in, in no, when I was in, with the Bears, and they showed me that clip, and they say, this why we want you. And, and, and I went, man. That's how I became an Oakland Raider, man. Incredible. Back home again. Lorenzo, I got another guest. I got to run. We're going to get you on the team podcast. I'm going to do a deeper, deeper dive with you on growing up in Oakland, everything. We'll get to Marshawn. We'll get to your life, what you're doing now, because I'm more fascinated with that. So I'll follow up with you in the next couple of weeks, and we'll pick it up from there. Keep doing great things. Thanks for coming on Raider Nation Radio with us. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, let me know, JT. You got it, my friend. Thank you. Lorenzo Lynch. Wow. You know, I don't know the last time he went on the radio, but he's got some stories about the Oakland years. I want to do a deeper dive on that. We appreciate it. Plus, his nephew running back, Marshawn Lynch, the, the growth of the brand and the family. He's got a lot more to say. Once a Raider, always a Raider. I really enjoyed that. He, he could have took a bad turn in his life, and he played 11 years in the NFL. Gary Gramling's going to join us from Sports Illustrated and the Monday Morning Quarterback. Can J.J. Watt be a fit with the Raiders? We'll get to that in some NFL topics next. I have tried to do everything in my power to work and earn your respect and try and make you proud on and off the field. Um, you guys have given me everything and more, and I can only hope that you feel like I've given you everything I have. J.J. Watt, we're talking about him today. Thanks to Lorenzo Lynch, who joined us. Dan Duva, voice of the Vegas Golden Knights at the top of the hour. Mark Anderson next hour. Gary Gramling's kind enough to join us from Sports Illustrated and the Monday Morning Quarterback, a great content provider. And, Gary, thanks for coming on today on the holiday the J.J. Watt announcement on this past Friday. Who do we need to add to those teams on the markets that you think might be interested in him? Oh, I think about a third of the league are legitimately interested here, and I think Watt's going to sort of uh, you know, winnow that down to championship contenders at this point. I don't know if dollar value is going to be a, a big deal for him at this point in his career and with the amount of uh, money he makes on endorsements, obviously. I'm sure the Subway folks would love to see him land with TJ out in, uh, out in Pittsburgh, make some of those commercials pop a little bit more. But, uh, you know, it's going to be about a third of the league. I, I, I think the Steelers are there. I think, uh, I mean, look, it's all a little bit of reading the tea leaves right now. I don't have any hard information for you. I would think the Packers are heavy favorites. So would I. I think the Packers in Pittsburgh for obvious reasons. But you make an interesting point about where he's at with his career and wanting to play for a contender. Because the branding, his branding is fantastic. And his branding is going to be 30, 40 years after he plays. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, Gold Coat. That will, that's not going to make a difference. He'll have the TV deals. He'll have that t- those type of branding opportunities. Mm-hmm. But the question becomes is how much less money will he take to go do a team a favor like Green Bay or Pittsburgh before some of the other teams start calling, Miami, I'm in Vegas with the Raiders. What happens if a team says, look, we don't want you to take a pay cut. We'll pay you. We'll even overpay you because you're such a need to our defense. Well, we'll start here. I mean, honestly, the 17.5 he was due this year, I think that's, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's slightly rich. 
I don't think it's out of line for, for the uh, no. level of play he brings at this point. I mean, you know, he's not defensive player of the year anymore, but I would put him somewhere on that, you know, let's, let's call him a, a, a Pro Bowl caliber player at this point. And there just aren't many of those out there. You can, you can shop the other free agents here. You know, Leonard Williams, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, Junon, Shaq Barrett's probably the only one who I'd say is objectively more valuable than J.J. Watt right now uh, among the uh, defensive line guys. So, uh, I mean, look, is he going to take a veteran's minimum? No. But, you know, if it's, if it's Green Bay or, you know, maybe Tampa gets involved here, uh, can they get him for maybe six, seven, eight million for, for a year or two? Yeah, I, I think he ends up taking a deal like that. It's, it's really what it comes down to is, I mean, the guy wants to win a Super Bowl. So I don't necessarily think he's going out to Vegas. Uh, sorry about that, JT. Uh, you know, I, don't, I don't think he's going to take a, a deal with sort of a good team. I think he's going to be one of the front runners. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think he's going to go to a front runner to ring chase, which he would if he was an NBA player mm-hmm. at this level and a three-time uh, defensive player of the year in the NBA or a three-time MVP and he didn't have a ring. He'd be ring chasing with Durant or Steph Curry or he'd be going LeBron because it's the right thing to do. I just think the Green Bay thing fits perfectly. And I want to continue on this because Gary Gramling joins us, SI. It's important to me. Green Bay gets to go home, gets to play on a team that – got beat by Tom Brady in their own building. And I think the pressure's got to come from Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was visibly and emotionally upset that they took Jordan Love, a backup quarterback, in the first round. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to have to be out in front of the recruiting process here because Green Bay's not very good at this? Uh, you know, I, I, I think Rodgers plays a role. I think any quarterback going after J.J. Watt right now, or really, I mean, we saw Stephon Diggs throw a tweet at uh, J.J. Watt. I think the players will get involved. I don't know if that's going to be, a, a, you know, sort of what puts a team over the top at this point. Uh, to be honest, I think the Packers, yes, going home. I think it's also getting away from Patrick Mahomes. I, I think he probably had his fill of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. The, uh, the past two seasons here, and you go to the NFC. I mean, look, we all know the Bucks just uh, just shut down Mahomes in the Super Bowl, but if you are handicapping the two conferences, NFC is far more wide open. And to be perfectly honest, I think the Packers are probably the favorites in the NFC going into 2021. Obviously, we're very early here. Lots of stuff needs to happen this offseason. But uh, I, would, uh, I would certainly bank of the Packers being pretty much locked in to win that NFC North and then probably get the one seed again. Tell you another team that jumps out at me, Baltimore, just because of their culture on the defensive side. You know, with Yannick Ngakwe, and they gave him a chance, and I didn't think that, I thought that would fit a lot better, and he's one of the better edge rushers who's going to be available in a move. Uh, it just seems like with Calais Campbell, everybody who goes to Baltimore who plays defense, Gary, don't they fit in perfectly with the culture of what they do in that building on the defensive side? It would be perfect for J.J. Watt on a team that's built on the defensive side first with Lamar Jackson. I mean, look, they do. I, I love India as a dark horse, and I love Baltimore as a dark horse in, in the Watt sweet mm-hmm. at this point. Look, I, I think there was something of an assumption that when the Ravens went and got Ngakwe, okay, well now, you know, Matt Judon, is, you know, he was on the franchise tag last year. They'll move on from him. They'll keep Ngakwe, and that's how it's going to be. 
I don't know if they're really sold on Ngakwe at this point. Uh, frankly, I really like Yannick Ngakwe. I do think he's a little bit limited uh, when you're talking about run defense. I don't know if they're looking at uh, you know what the Titans do with Derrick Henry. I don't know if this is becoming a trend uh, in the league where you're going to see teams going bigger and sort of running at your uh, your Yannick Ngakwe types going forward. And Watt certainly allevi- alleviates some of that. And uh, quite frankly, you're you're probably going to get him for less than you're going to have to pay Ngakwe, who is. Uh, you know, a guy in his mid-20s and is probably going to be looking for a three- or four-year commitment. Uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, Gary Gramling's kind enough to join us, SI, and all the great work he does at MMQB. What are, what are you sensing now is going to happen on the timeline with Deshaun Watson? Houston wanted everything to calm down a bit and yep. try to maybe convince him to stay. That didn't work. All indications are he wants out. Now J.J. Watt leaves, which is a full rebuild. There's no chance with J.J. Watt being gone, that that's going to do something better for him. What do you think we should look at in regards to the rest of February and the timeline and what's coming up in front of us? I think we're walking it right up to the draft. I think there is okay. no way uh, Deshaun Watson ends up playing another snap for the Houston Texans. And honestly, everything since the, the sort of official proclamation before the Super Bowl that, that he wanted to be traded, uh, they've done nothing to actually keep him there. So I, I don't understand how they can, you know, they, they fired the equipment staff that was very popular with the players. That's, that's mm-hmm. not going to change his mind. That's not helping matters. So it's going to be out. It, and they, they really they have to make a deal before the draft because if you're making it after the draft, now, okay, well, we're going to get four first-rounders. Well, whoever you're sending them to is probably going to be sending you late first-rounders back. If you make the deal now, if it's the Jets, if it's the Dolphins, Falcons, whoever it might be, I mean, you know you're getting a high first-round pick and you can get that replacement quarterback. Finally, anything, uh, any gut feeling on Carson Wentz and what's going to happen with <laughs> I'm talking about this package deal with Zach Ertz potentially? or I think he's a good player to rehab and rebuild in Philadelphia. But maybe it's a smart move for him to get the hell out of Philadelphia and not deal with that the way those fans are. I always thought Indianapolis was the front runner. What are you hearing? He's got a chance. Look, he's, he's 20 years old. He's got a chance here. I, I think the Bears are probably the front runner with, with the Colts coming in second year. I mean, the, the Eagles, they, they, they shot themselves in, in the foot on this one. They, uh, uh, they shouldn't have put him out there uh, as, as someone they were going to trade. I think there was still a chance they could have maybe courted some – uh, teams quietly by saying, you know, Nick Sirianni's here. We think we can rebuild him. Uh, now that he's on the block, there's just not a ton of interest. They're not getting anywhere near what Matthew Stafford drew. So they'll take uh, – my guess is they'll take, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe they get a third draft pick. Maybe they get a single first-round draft pick if they take a bad contract back. But I think it's going to be Chicago ultimately with, uh, with the Colts, uh, let's say the 30% that will go to Indy. Excellent. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. All the best. Love the work you're doing. Thank you. You, you got it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, especially on the holidays. So he's not that high on J.J. Watt coming to Vegas. I don't think many people are, but I am. And I have my name on the show. So I'm excited about that. You'll be hearing me push for J.J. Watt. It's the least I could do. All right. So we're going to get you back to some X's and O's. Got another restaurant partnership I'll tell you about with our friends at Remy Martin, Sparrow and Wolf. On the other side, the voice of the Golden Knights, Dan Duva, Mark Anderson from the Review Journal, all scheduled to join us next hour.